Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Welcome again to ZFC. Hey, toy drive coming up, obviously. Uh, here's, I just want to encourage you, uh, bring a toy or, or, or multiple toys and, and certainly uh, sign up to, to volunteer. I'm the pastor, so obviously I want you to come to church, um, but I, I just got to be honest, being the church is actually far more important than attending the church, and this is an opportunity where we can uh, be the church. I do actually think those go hand in hand, uh, but let's make sure we are the church, we, we, we can be the hands and feet of, of Jesus to kids and families in our, in our community, and so uh, make sure you get signed up uh, to help or, or to bring toys uh, for, for that. Uh, one of my favorite things we do all year, all year long, and here's kind of just how we do it. We, we set the parent up to be the hero, so we don't actually give the kids toys. It's not about the church being a hero. We want to we wanna give the toys to the parent. The parent can take it home, put it underneath the, the tree. So Christmas morning, the parent, or if they choose Santa Claus, whatever the case may be, uh, but the parent can, can be the hero because our, our, our heart is to come alongside them and, and, and give them a really big win uh, in, the, in the Christmas season. So uh, today we're going to continue in the uh, series, Imperfect Heroes. And like uh, it's been a fun series. And, and the whole goal of, of this series is for us to, to look at the people that God has used mightily uh, through the entirety of, of Scripture. And all these people, they got issues. Right? All these people, they are more jacked up than, than all of us in this, in this room. And so one of the great things about going through this is that we can learn and we can grow. And we can understand if God can use them, then I know that God can certainly use me. Anybody, you, you ever plan on, on something and, and maybe you, you got all the details, you're ready to roll, and it just turns out significantly different than what you planned on? That happened to you? Yeah, that happens to me. It feels like that happens to me a lot. Uh, last, late December, um, we did our Christmas Eve stuff. We, we, had, we had our plans. We were ready to roll. We were going to go to uh, Orlando, Florida. When, uh, we're going to watch... Uh, OU play Florida State in the bowl game. We were super stoked. We were excited. We were ready to go. The family was going to go. And we had our plane tickets. We had, we had tickets to, to Disney. Uh, we had tickets to the game. Like, everything's going to be so great. And, and, and we're ready. And then all of a sudden, like, that's back when I was on social media. Twitter's just blowing up. And apparently, Southwest has an absolute meltdown, right? The whole, the whole airline, like, nobody can fly out anywhere. And so I'm like, oh, no. And so I'm looking at our flights. I'm like, our flight got canceled. So I'm trying to find other flights. We'll, we'll just drive down to Dallas. We'll fly to Dallas. Those are getting canceled. We'll go up. I don't know where we're going to. So, so finally, I tell Christy, I'm like, we're just... We're just going to drive. And she's like, Adam, you know how far that is? And I was like, I don't. I know it's a long way. I think it's like 17 hours. I was like, it's a long way, but we're just going to drive. Let's, let's, get our, let's get our stuff. Let's go right now. We'll figure it out as we go. And so we get in the car. It's a miserably long drive. And by car, I mean church van. There's a couple perks to being the pastor. You know, I just use the church van. So, so we take the church van. We go, we go all the way down there. It was a great game, but, uh, you know, we didn't, didn't turn out as, as good as I, I had hoped. And, but the next day, I'm taking the whole family to Epcot, right? I'm so stoked to take the family to Epcot because, not just because it's Epcot. I've never been there. But there was a, a family in our church who was so kind and, and, and so generous. They gave us these passes, not the fast passes. They gave us, like, the passes that, like, only celebrities get 
Like the type of passes dudes like me have to take a second mortgage out of my house to get, right? Like those passes. And so, man, I'm going to take my kids and they're going to get to the very front of every line whenever they want, however they want. This is, this is awesome. It's going to be the greatest day of my life with my family. Four o'clock in the morning, I wake up. I say, uh-oh, I can't move. I knew this feeling. I had it about four times before. It's piercing pain in my back. I said, I got another kidney stone. We got to go to the ER. And I went to this ER in Orlando, Florida. It wasn't the nicest ER in the world. I waited about four hours, like rolling around on the waiting room floor, just begging for a little bit of medicine. Just give me something. <laughs> no, sir, we can't. I'm like, I promise I'm not an addict. I need something, right? Just give me, I'm a pastor. Help me. Right? It didn't work. So finally got in, sitting on Epcot, we, my whole family sat in the hospital all day long, and then we had to sleep in the hospital that, that night. Because, I'm just going to tell you this, it's not part of my sermon, but uh, I didn't think this till, till right now, because they said I had a spot on my lung, and they said it might be cancer. And so then I thought for a day I had cancer, and then they came back and were like, oh, we were wrong. <laughs> they weren't the most professional folks on the planet. And then we, so we get in the car and just literally just drive back home. And by, I drive, Christy drove the whole way and I just laid in the back of the church van, just bumpy, just like crying all the way, all the way back. We had a great plan. It, it just didn't turn out the way that we had anticipated, right? And I think this happens a lot of times in a lot of people's lives. It's not the big of a deal. But a lot of times it also happens to people. Like we see people that they have this, this great gift and this great talent. Maybe they're even anointed by God and you see the anointing on their life. But, but somehow through the journey, they, they end up so far away from where God created them to be. If we're going to look at the, the life of Samson today, but, but first, you remember the talk about talked about this a few weeks ago. There's a very specific cycle in the Old Testament that the Israelites go through, okay? Love God, serve God. Things go well, because things go well, then they start loving themselves a little bit, just like a lot of us. Things go well, then they start worshiping their own idols. They start, they start turning their backs on God. And then so God allows an enemy to overtake them. Things don't go well. They become slaves to an enemy. They cry out to God. God forgives them. God gives them a, a prophet, a judge, or a king. As, as we go through the Old Testament, it starts prophets and judges and kings. And, and God gives them a prophet, a judge, or a king. And then they lead and they overtake whoever is oppressing them. And the, and, and the Israelites turn back to God. They love God. He blesses them. And then all of a sudden, the cycle continues. And they turn their back on God. And it goes again and again and again and again, right? So now we're in this period where the Philistines are ruling over the Israelites. So God is raising up Samson in Judges chapter 13. And this is a bit of a sensitive story for me because people assume that when Samson lost his hair, he lost his strength. Uh, and I just don't love that part of the story because it's very not funny, but... Uh, so Samson's, Samson's mom was barren. She couldn't have kids. But an angel of the Lord appeared to her, very similar to the way an angel appeared to uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, right? So an angel of the Lord appears to, to, to Samson's mother and says, you're going to become pregnant. You're going to have a, a son. He's going to take the Nazarite vow. And the Nazarite vow, uh, Nazarite vow, it just means you're set apart. But the vow, it's pretty simple. You cannot cut your hair. You cannot touch dead things. 
and you cannot drink alcohol. So you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have a son. He's going to take the Nazarite vow, and I'm going to raise him up, and he will lead God's people. And sure enough, she has a son. She names him Samson. So he takes the Nazarite vow. Don't cut your hair. Don't drink alcohol. Do not touch dead things. He's set apart to do something special and significant. God begins to use him in a powerful and a mighty way. He becomes a, the, the judge, which is really the guy in charge. He is the, remember, there's prophets, there's judges, and then there's kings. So he is like the king. He is fully in charge. And he grows into this man, and, and Scripture tells us that God gave him supernatural strength. We see his ability to kill a lion with his bare hands. That, like, I, we go through scripture a lot and we're like, yeah, that's cute. That's not cute. That's unbelievable, right? Several years ago, I was playing golf and I hit my golf ball and, and close to a, a goose. And, and I, I guess she was trying to protect her eggs that looked like my golf ball. And so I just walk over to the goose, and, and uh, like, I'm trying to be cool, real slow. I got a golf club in my hand, just in case things go south. I just want to wave it at the goose just a little bit, you know. Just, you, you can keep your stuff. I'll take my stuff. We're cool. And the thing starts hissing at me. You ever heard a goose hiss? I didn't know they did that. Like, with his little tongue out like a snake. It's weird. So it's like hissing at me. I'm like, whoa, she mad. And so I just kind of wave the club just a, just a little bit more. She ain't scared. She ain't backing down. She starts flapping her wing at me. And I'm like, all right, all right, I got you. Cool, I get another golf ball. No, no worries. It's called a truce, right? I get my car. I go on, right? She starts chasing me. I literally, I'm not, I'm not making this up. This is not a preacher story. I turn around. I'm on, I'm, on, I'm on the golf course. I turn around, and I run the other direction. And she chased me, flapping her little wings. Which is bizarre, because I've been, I've been, I've been hunting for geese before. You know what they tell you? Wear camo, don't move, don't let them see the white of your eyes or they won't, like, you'll scare them off. And I'm like, how come with a bright shirt and a golf club I couldn't scare them off, but if I'm trying to kill them, they somehow know I'm trying to kill them and they won't come close. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm scared of a goose and Samson He's locking up with a lion and ripping him in half with his bare hands. It, it's, it's incredible. It is clear that God's hand is all over his life. The Bible also says that, that, that Samson kills a thousand men. Right? So, so God is using, God has given him supernatural strength. But then all of a sudden, sin starts to creep into his life. All of a sudden, we see him continually break the vow to set him up apart. He touches the carcass of a dead lion. He drinks alcohol at a party. He eventually lets Delilah discover the secret to his strength as she cuts his, his hair. The vow has been broken. He loses his strength. The Philistines come in. They capture him. They take him hostage. They gouge out his eyes, and then they parade him into a coliseum like a circus animal to make fun of him in front of 3,000 people. They tie him up to a couple of massive posts. Most of you know the story. He prays for strength one more time. God gives him the strength one last time. He pushes the, the post of the Colosseum and collapses and kills 3,000 people. Killed more people on his death than he did when he was alive. What a sad tragedy. 
a man that was chosen by God, supernatural gifts, a man that was set apart, had a great support system, and then all of a sudden, this is how it ends. What went wrong? How, how did God's chosen, God's anointed, God's hand was on us? How, how did it end like that? We're going to look at three destructive thoughts that led to his demise. And I think if we're all honest, and I hope that we're all going to be honest, I think we all struggle with some of these, if not all these, a lot of the times. His thoughts were, I want it, I deserve it, and I can handle it. I want it, I deserve it, I can handle it. First, I want it. Judges chapter 14, verse 1. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there was a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in, in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistine to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. So first of all, a little historical context. The Philistine, this is not like you went from Norman to Moore. This is the enemy territory. These people do not believe in God. They do not serve God. And God has been clear not to marry someone that does not serve him. God has been clear. Israelites do not marry Philistines. But he didn't care. Samson says, I know what I want, and I, that's who I want, so get that for me. His parents are like, Samson, don't do this. I don't care. I don't care what God thinks. I, I don't care what wise counsel thinks. I want it because I want it. I'm going to do it. When we start wanting things that aren't God's plan, isn't it weird how logic goes out the window? Isn't it weird how that happens? That's the problem with lust and greed. I, I, I want it, so I'm getting it. I don't care what wise counsel says. I don't care what God's word says. I want this. Lust and greed will always lead us down a path of ultimate destruction. I, I want a new house. I know I can't afford a new house, but I want it, so I'm getting it. I want a new car. I can't afford a new car, but I want a new car, so I am getting it. I want a new spouse. I know that's not what God has called me to do, but I don't like my current one. I want to shack up before marriage. I, I, I know what God's word says. I know what wise counsel says, but I want it, so I'm doing it. I don't care what God says. You know, when we give in to the idea of I want it, we're often going to live the life of I regret it. I'll say that again because only, only Francis and Tara thought that that was good. I think they're the only ones that heard it. If we always give in to the idea of want it, we're going to live a life if I regret it, we tend to justify destructive thought of I want it because of the next thought. I want it, I'm going to get it because I deserve it. I deserve it. Verse 5, Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with a woman, and he liked her. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to the look at the lion's carcass. 
And in it, he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some, and they too ate it. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. So we know that, that God gives him the supernatural strength to kill a lion with his bare hands. But Samson thinks, I killed a lion with my bare hands, so I deserve to have the honey that is sitting in the lion's carcass, even though... I'll have to break my vow and touch something dead. He breaks his vow to God over a handful of honey? Are you kidding me? Are you serious? Why would an idiot, a moron, break his vow to God over a little bit of, 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 of honey? Except for maybe all of us in this room break our vows to God when we commit to following him and living for him and living according to scripture for far less than even honey. We break our covenants to God. Why? We deserve it. We want it. We deserve it. We get entitled so fast, don't we? It's always funny to me when older people make fun of younger people. They're so entitled. This, genera this next generation is so entitled. Try taking an old person's seat that they sit in every week. You want to talk about entitled? Old lady, rip you up by your ear. I've been sitting here for nine years. All right? Do I think young people are entitled? No, I know young people are entitled. And old people are entitled. And middle-aged people are entitled. It's only 41-year-olds are entitled. Just so anybody thinks I'm trying to eliminate myself. Everybody but Adam's entitled. No, I, I'm entitled. Everybody. Like all of humanity, we're all entitled. We all live in this. I worked hard. I deserve this. I can do what I want. I, I'll do some, some after I have a long week. I get frustrated. I get three mean emails from the 830 people. Not you guys. You guys are great. You know what I do? I, I drive down to Jimmy Austin and I buy, I buy a shirt. I'm like, it's a long week. I deserve this. I'm going to get it. Right? I used to get ice cream, but now I don't. It's more expensive th this way. Yeah. <laughs> it may not be sinful, but the attitude gets us in trouble pretty quick. I deserve that new car, right? Well, I can't afford it, but I deserve it. I deserve. L listen to me. Listen to me. Some of you feel like this. I deserve somebody to love me more than my spouse does. I deserve that. I deserve a promotion. I've been working hard on my job for three months. I deserve to live however I want. It's the life I created. I deserve it. I'll live my life how I want, how I see fit. You know why we do that? We start with I want it, then we say I deserve it. We, we do that because we think, I can handle it. I can handle it. Verse 10, now his father went down to see a woman, and there was, and there Samson held a, a feast, as is customary for young men. If you study the culture and the context right here, this is not a feast like Thanksgiving. This is a feast like a bachelor party. There have been a lot of alcohol, so he has, Samson killed a lion, killed a thousand dudes, Found this lady that he likes. He wants to party. I want it. I deserve it. And listen, I am the great Samson, the great warrior, God's anointed. I can handle this. I can handle, I can handle all the stress in my life. I mean, sometimes I may need an extra pill here and there. 
I can handle all the pressures in life. I mean, sometimes maybe I need a, a few drinks here and there. I mean, this, there's this new girl at the office. She's kind of cute. I can handle flirting with her and not cross any lines. Can you? I can handle another credit card. 76% interest. I can handle it. I got it. I can handle leading my family. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to be praying with them at night or reading God's word with them. I don't need to be doing that. I don't need to be taking them to church. or I don't need them being youth or kids. I, I, I got it. I, I, I handle it. I want it. I deserve it. I can handle it. There, there are all these destructive and selfish thoughts that go ruin your life. You imagine the great Samson, middle of this Coliseum. Two giant poles is the circus animal, the entertainment. 3,000 people. I, I don't know his thought process. You can imagine full of regret. He's tied up. The once great warrior. I wonder if there's a moment before he asked God for strength. If just, How did I get here? How do I go from being able to kill a thousand of these people with my bare hands to I'm tied up, powerless? How do we get here? Listen, you're not going to get your eyes gouged out, and you're not going to be paraded around like a circus animal if you have these thoughts in your life. But it might destroy your marriage might make you go bankrupt. might derail God's purpose for your life. Thanksgiving in 20 years, your kids may not come around. might lead you down a path of struggle and regret. Those thoughts can destroy us, or, or we can shift our thoughts to who God has called us to be. Instead of I want it, maybe we can shift to I'm weak and I need God. I'm weak and I need God. Most of us have faced something so difficult in this room, so painful that we are, we are aware of the desperate need of God. We, we are aware of how powerless we are. Sometimes you, you lose a loved one and it's an immediate reminder. You get diagnosed with a disease. It's an immediate reminder of how weak we are and how desperately we need Jesus. Some of you wonder why Christy hadn't been singing the last several weeks. She went to a doctor a couple weeks, about a month ago and you have two vocal cords, and one of them only working at 60%, the other one's overworking. And so, so there's going to have to be seven days where she doesn't speak at all. It starts next, starts this, this, this Wednesday, and I could have funny jokes about it, but it's going to suck bad. Somebody, somebody's got to tell the kids what to do. I'm just kidding. But he said, you know, like, the one could ruin the one that's working at full strength and wear itself out. And then again, for her, I mean, this is... For me, my vocal cords are jacked. It doesn't really matter. I can just be hoarse and raspy up here. Who cares? But for her, it's a big deal. But it's just another reminder. We're so weak. We just need God. You can look at all what's happening in the world. We just need God. Look at another mass shooting in our own country. We just need God. Life comes at us fast, right? 
We need to get on our knees and recognize, I just need God. I need God to be the, the, the husband that he's called me to be. I need God to be the father that he's called me to be. I need God to pastor this, this church. I, I need God to do literally everything in my life I, because I know how weak, insecure, and insignificant that I actually am. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Power comes from weakness. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You guys heard people say, Religion is a crutch for the weak-minded. I don't know about religion. I don't know about religion. I can tell you Christianity is not a, is not a, is not a crutch uh, for me because that gives me too much uh, power. It's like more like a wheelchair. God can just take me wherever he wants me to go. A crutch, like I'm still, I'm still in control. A wheelchair, I mean, who's, somebody else in control. A stretcher, maybe. Father, Son, Holy Spirit is just carrying me, right? That's why I've talked about this before. That's why I hate that, that bumper sticker. It's the stupidest bumper sticker in the world. Uh, God is my co-pilot. Like all of a sudden you're in charge and you're like, hey, can you give me some advice? God, no, what are you talking about? You don't need his advice. You should shut up and get in the trunk. <laughs> He's fully in control. He's fully in charge. Uh, I've got some suggestions for you, Lord. <laughs> Stop. I'm weak and I need God. And then instead of saying, I, I deserve this, maybe we just switch to, I'm a sinner and I deserve hell. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is, is death. No offense, but all of you are sinners, okay? Therefore, all of you deserve death, hell. But the gift of God, gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We, we deserve hell. God owes me nothing. His grace is a gift. I tell you guys this all the time. This is, I remind my kids of this all the time. They need a new, like both of them are trying to play basketball right, right, right now. So like, dad, we need basketball shoes. I'm like, you deserve hell, not basketball shoes. <laughs> now I bought them basketball shoes anyways, but I just want them to know they don't deserve them. I don't deserve it. We need to remind ourselves all the time. I, I, don't, I don't deserve my job. And somebody's like, well, I don't even, I don't even like my job. It's a, it's a dead-end job. At least you got a job. Go to different parts of the world. I don't deserve my family. I don't deserve to worship freely. I don't deserve his grace. I was listening to a, a, I listened to a podcast the other day. It was awesome. And... Uh, a guy named Arthur Brooks was talking. He's, he's a professor, I think, at one of the Ivy League schools. I, I think at Harvard, but I'm not sure. He was talking about the idea of a reverse bucket list. I never heard that idea before. Some of you probably heard it. I never heard it. But the idea of a bucket list is you write down, like, this list of things you want to accomplish, and then when you do something, you cross it off. And, and he said, here's the problem with the, with the bucket list. You write down all these things that you, that you want to do, and, and, then, and, then you, and then you cross it off, and you're on the next thing. He said, so your focus is not on what you have done, all the great things you've done, all the great experiences that you have, but your focus is on the next thing that you have yet to do. So your focus is not on what has gone well, but the focus is still on what I don't have or haven't been able to do. He said, which always leaves us frustrated. He said, instead of reverse bucket list, he said, you don't write down the things you haven't done. You just make lists of things that you have done in your life. 
all the great experiences in your life. He says, so when you look at that list, and I'm, I'm going to do this for myself. I'm going to put it on a, on a wall in my, in my room, uh, 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 in my bedroom at my house. Probably my closet. <laughs> Christy ain't going to let me put it in the bedroom. Put it in my closet. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. But every day I want to be able to just be reminded of all the great things God has allowed me to be a part of. Instead of focusing on all the things that I don't have, I want to be, I want to be grateful for everything that God has allowed me to do. Proverbs chapter 16, 18, it says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before fall. When we stop thinking, I deserve something better than what I currently have, and begin thinking every single thing that I have is a gift, then we begin living a life of humility and gratitude. I need God. I deserve hell. And, and, and the last thought, and instead of thinking I can handle it, maybe start thinking this, I'm a human and not above moral failure. I'm a human and not above moral failure. So years ago, when I, when I, when I first got into in, in a ministry 20 years ago, I'd only been married a couple years, I would say that statement, I am not above a moral failure. And, and Christy would be so frustrated. She'd be like, why would you say that? And then she'd try to like interrogate me. So like, what kind of moral failure do you think you're not above? Like, what have you been getting yourself into? What are you doing? What do you, what do you think? I'm like, nothing. I'm just telling you I'm a human and I'm not above a moral failure. And what that does is it allows me to put guardrails in my life in every area of my, of my life. Because the second that I think I got this on my own is the second that I let my guard down and allow space for the enemy to attack. I want to put guardrails around my time. Put guardrails on my family. Put guardrails on my, my, my finances. Guardrails on the opposite sex. Guardrails with my devices. Because you don't have guardrails because you think you're going to wreck. You have guardrails just in case one night you're tired and you're distracted and somebody sends you a text message and you look at it and you hit a corner and thank God there's a guardrail. There will be moments in your life where you're tired and you're distracted and the enemy attacks. And if you don't have guardrails in your life, you will fall off the cliff. Guardrails are not a sign of weakness. They are a sign of, of strength. And let me be super clear. I'm talking to you, Jesus Jr. Those of you that say, I'm not above a moral failure, you're already on your way. I'm not trying to be mean. I know I come across intense a lot up here. I'm just trying to be helpful. You're already on your way. If you ain't Jesus, you ain't above a moment of weakness. Why are we doing the sermon series? Every single one. Every single disciple, the ones that walk with Jesus daily for years, every single one of them, you'll see a moment of, of weakness. Have guardrails in your life to protect you. First Corinthians 10, 12, 13, it says, so if you think you're standing firm, some of you think you're standing firm, that's great. You got to still be careful that you don't fall. But there's good news. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. 
That's why I don't like people say, I just, I fell into a sin. You didn't fall. It's not, a, you didn't fall. Oh my goodness. What just I don't know. I don't even know. I just, just walking along and boom, fell. No, no. He provides a way up. The story of Samson is a great warning for every person in this room to not get derailed like, like he did. But it's also a story that reminds us of God's grace. Samson didn't live up to the call that God had put on his, his life. He didn't live up to being the leader of God's chosen people. But, but, but we serve a, a God who did what Samson could not do. It's the, the parallels between Samson and, and Jesus are incredible. Our leader was strong but made himself weak. Our leader never sinned but died a sinner's death. Our leader was fully God but chose to put on human flesh. Our leader was tempted but overcame sin. Jesus is who Samson could never be. And Jesus makes up for the ways in which we fall short of who God has called us to be. His grace is bigger than your sin. It can take you from destruction to a new life in him. This is a tricky sermon. Because I can say all these things and at the end of it you hear, but God's grace. And you think, thank God for that. I can keep living life however I want. So I, I just want to be careful on how I say this. It does not matter how long you've sinned, how much you have sinned. The moment that you repent, even if it's on your deathbed, your last moments, the moment that you repent, God will forgive you and give you eternity with him in, in, in heaven. At, at the same time, when you sin, you will not escape the consequences here on earth. Did God answer Samson's last prayer? Yep. And it was incredible. But that wasn't the way it was supposed to play out. God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And we don't want to live our lives in a way where we say, I'll just make it to the end and try to get forgiven of my sins because this is making a mockery of the cross anyways. And we want to live our lives for God here on earth. We want to be used by God here on earth. We don't want to live our lives, how close can I get to, to sin, but rather how close can I get to, to God? Because I know my purpose is to be used by him. Heavenly Father, we love you and we're grateful for you. God, we're grateful for your word. God, help us to, to take your word and, and understand, God, who you are and who you've called us to be. Father, we want to continually live in humility. God, knowing how weak and insignificant we are, totally dependent on you. We depend on your grace. We depend on your mercy. We depend on your strength. With the heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here and you don't follow Jesus, but today you want to, you, you want to follow a God that would love you so much he would send his son to die horrific death so you can be forgiven, so you can be free. 
If that's you all over the room, you say, I want to be forgiven of my sins and I want to begin following Jesus. Would you just slip your hand up in the air so I can pray for you? Thanks. Amen. Everybody pray this prayer together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross and the resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. I, I refuse to live for me anymore. I'll live for you every moment of my life. You're my Savior, my sacrifice, my King. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at victoryfamily underscore. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.